All right, ready? Rock and roll. Another episode of the RGV Sports Football Podcast. My name is Andrew McCullough. I'm a sports reporter for the Monitor based here in McAllen. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host here. Hello, my name is Brian Ramos. And, uh, I'm a sports writer here in the Rio Grande Valley. And uh, we're happy to be here with you for uh, recapping another week of Rio Grande Valley High School football and uh, previewing uh, the week that, that's to come and uh, all the exciting matchups that we've got going on. And uh, yeah, just a good week of football. And we're excited to, to bring it here to you guys. And um, you know, as always, we always start our recap shows with the Monitors Game of the Week, and Andrew, that was yours, so uh, why don't you break it down? We had one go, uh, a battle going down for the district championship there in the 4A level. Absolutely. This was the de facto District 16 4A D1 championship game between the Hidalgo Pirates and the Laferia Lions. I really thought this one lived up to the hype. Uh, I mean, these two teams decided this district last year when they met, and it kind of seemed like this year that was going to be the storyline again. And, uh, I mean, I was very impressed by uh, Coach Monty Stumball's group in this one. Second play from scrimmage. They force a fumble in the backfield on Laferia after the Lions are moving the ball a little bit. Really stalls things for Laferia. Hidalgo runs it back to the 14-yard line. They score a couple plays later. They score again on their second drive. I thought that was a big momentum boost early on out of the gates that really set the tone for this one. And it really gave a sort of energy, I think, to that Hidalgo defense that really carried the day in this one. Uh, You know, we talk about that Pirates rushing attack all the time with good reason. They had, I think, 300 yards on the ground as a team in this game and five rushing touchdowns. But what people need to start talking about when they mention Hidalgo is this defense because, I mean, that is really what made the difference not only in this game against Laferia, but I think the difference between the 2019 Pirates and the 2020 Pirates. It's the reason why Hidalgo's undefeated right now, and it's the reason why they'll play for a, a perfect season coming up this Friday, which we'll get into a little later. But, I mean, they forced five turnovers in this one. It was the first time they allowed anyone to score a point on them this season, which I thought was – really something else. Uh, They forced a couple big red zone turnovers that resulted in, you know, 14-point swings in some cases. Uh, Laferia fumbled at one point on the Hidalgo two-yard line, and then the Pirates marched 98 yards downfield and scored a touchdown. Uh, Those are the type of plays that change ballgames, and, uh, you know, I'll be excited to see what the Pirates can do. I really think, um, you know, defense wins championships, so they say, Uh, and I think – uh, heading into the 4A playoffs here in about another week or so, that defense is going to come in really handy for the Pirates as they look for their first postseason win in quite a few years. But Brian also had a great game on Friday night, uh, a rivalry game in McAllen, which I'm excited to hear more about because this is one that was hyped up all week. Brian, what did you see between the Mustangs and the Bulldogs? Yeah, and, uh, it was a really good one. Anytime these two uh, lock up, you, you know you're going to get a good game. And um, they've had some close ones over the past years, but over the last 10 years, uh, McAllen Memorial has that was riding that 10-game win streak against McAllen High uh, entering this one. And Friday night, um, through three quarters, it looked like McAllen, the McAllen High Bulldogs were going to end that streak. And uh, we're we're on the on the positive side and looking in control, but uh, 
Uh, man, uh, it was just a classic game. It was my first time personally uh, watching these two teams play uh, and, and witnessing this rivalry. And, uh, they didn't let me down, man. It was a good one from, from the start to finish. And uh, it started, uh, the Bulldogs jumped out to a 13-7 uh, halftime lead behind the play of Hunter Curl. He had over uh, 275 yards of, of offense by himself uh, throwing and running the ball. And he also accounted for uh, two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Uh, so he, he just had a, a really good game. I was really impressed by his play. Uh, but McCown Memorial, man, he, uh, they, they just keep on coming, and they just keep on coming. Actually, they made some mistakes in the first half. Uh, they got behind the chains uh, with some holding penalties, and uh, anytime that happens, uh, you know it's going to be an uphill battle, and, and it was for them in the first half. But um, after, after the game, I spoke to Coach uh, Bill Littleton um, and a couple other players, and uh, they said – they knew if, if they didn't make those same mistakes in the second half that they were going to have a chance to win the ball game. And uh, they came out in the second half, they, they shored up on those mistakes, and they won the ball game. Man, it was 34-28. Uh, it, they scored uh, with uh, 30 seconds left on the clock. The, the, Maca, the Memorial Bulldog, the Memorial Mustang, excuse me, to take the lead. Uh, Ethan Garcia gets it in uh, on the end zone. He had a really good night as McCallum Memorial's leading rusher. Um, I know last week they gave the ball to a bunch of guys, but uh, against Mackay, Ethan Garcia really emerged as their go-to running back. Um, but uh, uh, Memorial, man, I, I was really impressed uh, by what their receiver, Marcos De, uh, De La Garza. Uh, he, he had a, a really good game, uh, handled a, a reverse and broke it, uh, broke it for a 60-yard touchdown, and he also caught uh, scored Memorial's only first half touchdown on a play action pass. They caught the Mackay defense peeking in the backfield. He got behind him, and uh, the the, uh, the Memorial quarterback uh, put put it on him. And man, he was off to the races. It, it was uh, just a, a really good uh, performance uh, from both these teams. The District 16-5 AD1 opener, and uh, they went down to the wire. And uh, the Memorial Mustangs, man, they pull it out in the end. Which Bill Littleton said tradition prevailed and. Um, it, it definitely did Friday night. So they pulled out a 34-28 win uh, over Mackay. And uh, so uh, as, as we move on, uh, this is uh, Memorial moves to 1-1 one one on the year, Mackay 0-2. Um, but both these teams should come away happy for, from uh, what they saw. Memorial saw some people, some people step up. And I think Mackay, although they lost a heartbreaker, um, they have some, the pieces uh, to, to win some games and, uh, they just need to close it out, and I know they almost did so against Mercedes, and uh, they, they nearly did it against Memorial. So, but the Mustangs win—that's 11 straight wins over the Bulldogs uh, for McCown Memorial, and that's just an impressive streak. Absolutely, and that's always a big takeaway too when you watch a Memorial game and you can see them air it out a little bit. I know that's a team that has earned a reputation for being one of the Valley's preeminent rushing attacks, but every now and again. Uh, Memorial will catch you peeking in the backfield and hit you over the top for a big pass play like that. But on the topic of this game, I'm excited to ask you a little bit more about what you saw from Mackay quarterback Hunter Curl. I know I've had a few opportunities to watch him, but this was your first time. And since this was a close game, I'm curious to see what you thought of his play, particularly in the second half. Man, I mean, he's uh, – if you're going to have a leader on your team at the quarterback position – which they should be. I mean, uh, th this guy checks all the boxes, man. He, he kept the Bulldogs' uh, offense moving. 
he, he kept on moving the chains and came up with some big throws at times. He had uh, 170 passing yards, and uh, he, he did throw two interceptions. One was on a, on a Hail Mary attempt uh, at the end of the game, so that's kind of a wash. You can't really, uh, you know what I mean, knock him for that when you're going for it all. But um, running the ball, man, he had 106 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. He's a tough runner. He's always falling forward. And, uh, yeah, so I, I was just impressed with, with Hunter Curl. And, uh, I mean, I think that guy has a good one um, for the rest of the year. And, of course, he has uh, next year's senior year ahead of him. So um, I just uh, – I, I came away impressed with both teams, with both Mackay and Memorial. And anytime time it's a one-position game and it goes down to the last few minutes, that that's what you're going to come away with. And uh, these two teams definitely impressed me Friday night. Absolutely. Uh, kind of digging back through my notebook after this weekend's action, uh, a stat that popped out to me from Hunter Curl's season opener against that very tough Mercedes defense. Uh, Mercedes had 15 QB hurries in that game. They sacked Hunter Curl only one time, though, for a two-yard loss, which kind of shows just how elusive he is in that pocket and how much moving around he does, kind of like you were saying there. Very dangerous on his feet and with his arm up. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what he can do for the Bulldogs the rest of this year because I agree with you. I, I think they found a real one behind center there. Um, that's a perfect segue, though, because there were three shutouts in the Valley this weekend. Brian, you and I were each at one of them. I want to hear about yours first. You saw the Mercedes Tigers put it on PSJ Memorial this weekend in a win that was really impressive. Yeah, uh... The, the machine that is the, the Mercedes Tigers keeps on rolling, man. They're early, early this year. They're 3-0 and now, and uh, this one wasn't really close uh, at all. Um, uh, quarterback Mike Cisneros and uh, re- receiver Josiah Gunthu hook up for two first-quarter touchdowns to put uh, the Tigers up 14-0, and, man, they, they never looked back. Uh, PSG Memorial, they, they were able to move the ball, and uh, they got into to the Tigers' territory a few times, but um, they weren't going for field goals. They, they knew if we're going to have a chance, we're going to have to get in the end zone. So um, they went for it on some fourth and shorts, some fourth and longs um, at, at midfield in, in Tiger territory. They're, they're going for it, man. And, so, and you got to give credit to Coach Brown and his guys uh, for, for not backing down. Um, they, I, I, although they, they lost 68-0, um, those guys played the whole game, and they're working on improving. You know what I mean? That's what it is with those guys. But on the other side, man, uh, Mercedes, man, they just keep on rolling, man. Mike Cisneros had uh, only played the first half because that's all he needed to when your team was up 48-0 after two quarters. So he threw four first-half touchdowns, and, uh, man, he just sling that thing. It, it looked like uh, they were playing set on seventh football, man. That's how uh, open some, some of his guys were. And uh, Tyrell Trevino also comes down with one. Uh, Jordan Gonzalez gets in the end zone. Miguel Jimenez gets in the end zone. Uh uh, defensive end Jaden Gonzalez gets a pick six and opens the second half uh, with uh, with a, a you know what I mean a nice interception from his linebacker position and returns it to the house. It was just a really complete performance uh, from Mercedes as they roll to um, as we said now three and zero on the year and I believe they're number five uh, in uh, the monitors top ten poll and uh, so they definitely deserve you know of that spot as one of the top teams here in the Rio Grande Valley, man. So big win for Mercedes. Uh, really, really cool to see them rolling on, on all Southern news, man. And I know you uh, you were at, at a shutout yourself uh, Thursday night 
Uh, why don't you tell us about that one? Absolutely. Uh, this one was a statement win in its own right. Uh, you know, 68-0 certainly says something, but I think it says something also when you go on the road and you top a team, not only top a team, you shut out a team that you split a district title with last season. And that is exactly what happened when the Mission Eagles met the PSJ High Bears on Thursday night in FAR. This was billed as a good one, and, I mean, it was a good one to watch if you were an Eagles fan. Uh, this one, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say the Bears were out of it. They played a very good defensive game, and this one could have been a lot more lopsided than it was. But, I mean, man, these Eagles just keep rolling, dude. I mean, they are, uh, in my opinion, of all the teams I've seen so far, Mission might be the most well-rounded group we have at this specific moment in time in the Valley just because – I mean, they really put it on Edinburgh High in that opening week of the season, scoring 51 points, um, really showing what their offense can do. And this past week, they totally flipped the script, and uh, this time it was the Eagles' defense really showing what they were all about. I mean, these guys returned, I think it was nine starters from a group last season that was really one of the toughest, uh, hardest-hitting units in the Valley. Uh, they're led in the, on the back end by Luis Brasinho, a safety who had uh, multiple sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a really nice interception late in this one. Really just an all-around playmaker. And then you have the honorable mention all-state defensive tackle in Dante Lopez, who also went to the state championships for wrestling. This guy is really difficult to contain, and the Bears really struggled with that. He wreaked havoc and feasted on sacks uh, in this one. Eagles force five turnovers. They hold the Bears to under 100 yards and zero points through two games. The Eagles have allowed seven points through eight quarters, and they're averaging uh, only 98 and a half yards allowed defensively per game. So they will be off this week with a scheduled bye week, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but that's a team that's certainly been making the most of its opportunities so far and has looked very dominant in doing so. Uh, I think it's safe to say that right now the Eagles look to be the front runner in that 31-6A South Zone. Um, but we had a lot of other exciting games this weekend, Brian. The other one that jumps to mind, the third shutout in the Valley this weekend, was the Bird Bowl. Harlingen High topped Harlingen South by a score of 23-0. Um, you know, Brian, we haven't had the opportunity to watch Harlingen live yet this year, but I really think they're going to be uh, one of the front runners in a deep 32-6A. And kind of to segue into a team that we're going to be talking about a lot this week, uh, they're going to be, I think, the biggest test coming up for the, the West Co. High Panthers, which we'll get into in a little bit. But what other games stuck out to you from this weekend? Man, well, uh, obviously in, the, in this uh, weird season, uh, teams are coming up with uh, games at the last minute, uh, weeks before, days before, hours before, uh, whatever it may be. And so we, we saw some of these uh, games uh, come up uh, that, that weren't previously scheduled, but they ended up uh, giving us some good ones, man. Um, let's start with a non-district game. It was Ed Couchelsa and Donna North, and uh, this Donna North uh, uh, program uh, comes at the host of the Yellow Jackets and uh, Ed Couchelsa. They have uh, two 100-yard rushers in Justin Galan and Sean Alvarado as they come out with a 35-20 to 20 win. But uh, for Donna North to put up 20 points against that Ed Couchelsea defense, that, that's a, a, good, a good statement and a good sign of what's going on there at Donna North. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I, I think you can definitely see this Chiefs team playing with a lot more heart and a lot more passion. Not that they weren't before, but 
That's to say, I think first-year head coach uh, Juan Cuevas has really gotten something out of his group here. And I also think it shows how hard this team has really worked in the offseason. You know, they're really dead set on trying to break this long winless streak they've been mired in for a couple of seasons now. And I really think the way they're playing so far these first two weeks of the season, that the Chiefs are going to sneak up on somebody this year and surprise some people. Um, their offense has looked really good these past two weeks, I think. Uh, they've had some, some dry spells in games where, you know, maybe for a quarter and a half they go quiet. Uh, but this is an offense certainly with a lot of big play capability. Uh, they've got a brother uh, combo. Um, one of the best quarterback wide receiver batteries in the Valley. The names are eluding me right now off the top of my head, but several tall, athletic, lanky receivers there on Donna North. And honestly, in my opinion, one of the deeper defensive lines in 32-6A, that really should help them moving forward in a district that is, in my view, kind of going to be dominated the rest of the way, at least at the top, by teams who can really uh, – use that ground-and-pound type of game to their advantage. Uh, speaking of another team that really took the ground-and-pound approach to another level this week, uh, we had another rivalry game in which the Edinburgh High Bobcats rolled to their big season-opening uh, victory. They lost their season opener on the road to the Mission High Eagles. They rebound in a big way, getting a 38-14 win over Econ. And senior running back Shannon Woodard led the way for the Bobcats. He had almost 200 yards on the ground in this one, found the end zone a couple of times. I really think he is going to be uh, one of the guys at the top of the Valley's leading rusher list at the end of the season. They had a tough go of it going up against that really tough mission defense in week one, which is kind of given a distorted perception on their numbers offensively to this point in the season. But uh, I really think they can do some things and scare some people this year. Econ had a couple big touchdowns in that game, too. I think one from 70 or 80 yards out, um, which kind of just goes to show, I think, that this Jags offense is, I think, one of the most underrated uh, score from anywhere on the field type of units in the Valley this year. Econ really got to figure out some things defensively, though, after giving up 38 points this week and giving up, I think it was 48 points the week before to PSJ North. Certainly hard to win when, well, I mean, granted, they went up against two of the Valley's best backs these past two weeks, too, so credit to those guys. Um, but certainly tough to win when you're giving up those kind of points. Uh, Brian, we had another really close, exciting game in Rio Grande City, the third one in three weeks. I mean, these guys seem like all they do is play great football, whether it's win or lose. What did you see from the Rattlers this week? Yeah, so uh, Rio Grande City opened up District 14 5A uh, Division One play and they welcome South, uh, San Antonio Southwest Legacy. Um, and uh, it, it was even for the first half, uh, Rio Grande City played well. And, uh, but San, uh, San Antonio Southwest Legacy, man, um, they, they did their thing and, and they proved to be too much. Uh, Mark Bettis broke loose a few times for Rio Grande City, had uh, two touchdowns, but it wasn't enough as uh, San Antonio Southwest Legacy um, and, and their spread attack, um, it, it was just too much uh, for Rio Grande City. They, uh, Legacy has, I believe, six games under their belt already. Oh, wow. Or this was their sixth game, and it was River Grande City's third. And uh, when you're going up against a, a San Antonio team, uh, River Grande City, you know what I mean? They got the short end of the stick and ended up in that district. So, uh, but um, they, they didn't back down. You know, they played till the end. And Mark Bettis, anytime you have him, it's going to be an exciting game. And uh, 
they put they put on a show, and, but they fall to 0-3 and 0-1 in uh, District 14-5A Division One play. So that was their district opener. And then I know uh, to jump back up to the uh, 31-6A level, we just talked about Edinburgh High and Economides, but uh, PSG North and Edinburgh North, uh, they got busy uh, this past Thursday night. So why don't you tell us how that one went down? Absolutely. This was another weird one. Uh, Edinburgh North was supposed to play Edinburgh Vela on Thursday night, but due to some COVID-related concerns, Vela had to cancel that game, enter a two-week program-wide quarantine. So in step the Raiders. They cancel their bye week to take on the 31-6A rival Cougars in Edinburgh. This one worked out nicely. They were already going to play this game in Edinburgh between two Edinburgh schools. So... PSJ North just fills right in for Vela, and they roll to a big comeback victory, actually, in this one. Edinburgh North looked like they had won the first three quarters of this game with some really dominant defense. They held the Raiders to just one touchdown through those opening three quarters of play. We're very multidimensional offensively this week. Uh, only nine passing yards in that first game of the season against PSJ High. But I thought the Cougars really opened it up in this one, balancing it between the run and the pass and really spreading the ball out a lot. Um, but ultimately, it was that black shirt defense that won the day. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from the Cougars who were able to put some points on the board and hold a lead for most of this game. But that PSJ North defense really kept them close enough to be within striking distance still in the second half. It's the second week in a row they've done that. And it's the second week in the row that the Raiders rolled to a big come-from-behind win over an Edinburgh school. They did it to Economides last week, scoring the last four touchdowns of the game and pitching a defensive shutout in the second half. This time, the Raiders pitch a shutout in the fourth quarter, and uh, freshman quarterback Sergio Aparicio looked really good in this one. He ran for a lot of yards, and uh, I thought, in my opinion, looked his best throwing the ball so far in three games this season, too. Uh, and there's absolutely no slowing down PSJ North running back Isaac Gonzalez. This guy's already halfway to 1,000 yards through uh, three games this season on the ground. He told me before the season got started his goal was to unequivocally be the Valley's leading rusher this season, and that seems like a goal he's on his way to meeting, it, at least as far as 31-6A goes. He's running away with that rushing title, um, no pun intended. Um, and then in the other 6A game uh, that we'll touch on real briefly, brownsville Hanna. They, they proved me wrong again, Brian. I picked against these guys two weeks in a row. They showed me that it was a mistake both times. They went on the road uh, to Los Fresnos this week. They score a big win, 21-8 over the Falcons. Uh, Los Fresnos uh, returns more lettermen than anyone else in a very deep 32-6A district. That's an experienced team coming off a trip to the playoffs. Brownsville Hannah looking to get back to the playoffs this year. Uh, they're quickly 2-0 in that 32-6A West zone. They'll have a game, a rivalry game, coming up against Brownsville Rivera sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, it's looking like Hannah is positioning themselves real well to play in the 32-6A district championship game come December. We had one more great non-district game this past week, and it was actually the season opener for one of these teams – I'll leave it to Brian to tell you all about this exciting non-district matchup that featured a 5A team and a 4A team. Yeah, so PSG Southwest was originally scheduled to play Valley View, but um, Valley View, that football program, is still on hold. Their future up in the air. So um, Port Isabel said, hey, we'll play. And so PSG Southwest and Port Isabel, uh, they got it on. Uh, PSG, the Havelinas, uh 
traveled over there to, to Port Isabel, and it was a good game, man. Uh, a 4A team versus a 5A team, and uh, it was a, a valiant showing uh, by Port Isabel. But the PSJ South, uh, PSJ Southwest Havelinas, man, and that Russian attack, it was too much. They come out with a 35-28 win. Cesar Boca Negra and Angel Hernandez, uh, both uh, really big playmakers for that Havelinas offense. And, uh, man, they do just enough to, to pull out a win. Only touchdowns in this game, no field goals. So it, it, this was an exciting one. Went down to the wire. Um, PSJ Southwest lost a close one, 14-13 in their season opener. Two Brownsville veterans in week one. And they bounced back to win a close one, but by a touchdown distance. So a good win for PSJ Southwest as um, they move on to district play. Uh, we'll get into who they face this week. A little bit of a rivalry game coming up for them. So Absolutely. And, uh, elsewhere at, at the 5A level, uh, we had Sherryland Pioneer uh, back in action, and they traveled to Stark County to take on Roma. And Eddie Lee Marburger did his thing as he led the Diamondbacks to a 56 to 16 win. Another four passing touchdowns, another two rushing touchdowns. That's just what that's what he's done in both games. So uh, so far this year, um, just a, another. Uh, you know what I mean? I, it's like a, you expect greatness, and he just delivers every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you come to expect six touchdowns out of him it's, it's kind of crazy how that pioneer offense is rolling so really good win for pioneer and uh and a, a good showing for uh, for roma their, their first game of the season they're able to get up 16 points on the board so um yeah uh, gonna be interesting to see how roma competes against those other teams because we know pioneer is um deservedly so the number two team in the Rio Grande valley according to our top 10 poll and uh you know for roma to open up their season against them that's a, a really tough test. And then uh, the District 16, 5A Division One level uh, back up. We had Brownsville Pace. Uh, they rolled to a 38-2 to two win. That's as close as you can get to a shutout without shutting your opponent out. So uh, just a, a really dominant performance. Right Brownsville Pace uh, against Lopez, 38-2. Uh, to two. Also, Banda and, and that rushing attack are really doing their thing. Didn't have to throw the ball much. They were in control. They really just ran it down uh uh, the Lobos throat and, and we're in control from start to finish so 38 to 2 win for Brownsville Pace and uh, a really good win for them as they move on uh, next week in, to this week uh, that we are in now it, uh, as they have a big matchup coming up against West Coast which we'll get into a little later and then we uh, also we had uh, Brownsville Porter pull an upset uh, over Brownsville Veterans it's the first time in program history Brownsville Porter has beaten Brownsville veterans, and they did it 10 to seven uh, with some uh, late, late minute drama. Uh, they come out in the fourth quarter and quarterback Kevin Garcia, man, uh, from Brownsville Porter. He's just uh, an, an, an underrated playmaker. People may not think of Brownsville Porter as a football school, but this guy is a football player, and uh, people better start taking notice. Uh, so you, you give credit to where it's due, man. Porter, a, a big win over Brownsville veterans here as, as uh, Brownsville Porter now moves to. 2-0 on the year. Congrats to the Cowboys. Uh, they're kind of looking like a sneaky playoff pick now to come out of uh, that 10-team District 16-5A D1. Uh, impressive win. You love to see those close games, too, that are just defensive slugfests, a 10-7 to final. That's not something you see a whole lot in high school football, but it's fun when you get those games every now and again. And then to round out this past weekend's action, Lifer goes on the road, stays undefeated, picks up a big 3A district win over Corpus Christi London, 42-35. Uh, Lifer keeps on rolling. Uh, 
you know, I don't know if anyone can slow these guys down, but we're going to find out when these guys hit the playoffs in about a week or so. Now kind of segueing into this next week of action, we've got several teams who will be set to make their first appearances on a football field this season, this coming week. I can think of three in particular off the top of my head. But before we jump into that, Brian, what are some teams and players that have stuck out to you so far through the first month of the season? you got to look at, the, uh, first start off with that uh, Mercedes Tigers uh, offense and what they're doing early on. And you got to give credit to Mike C. Snettles. He has 500 passing yards in, let's say, two and a half games because he really did, he, he did not uh, step on the field for the second half against PSG Memorial. So um, his teams have been in, in control, but he still has uh, 500 passing yards, seven passing touchdowns in three games. Uh, started half the games last year as a sophomore, but as a junior, taking a real big step forward. And uh, I mean, that's that, give him credit, but you also kind of give credit to that entire offense because they have playmakers galore. And uh, Mike Cisneros is the guy uh, to lead that offense and get the ball to those guys. And of course, he can do some damage with his speed as well. So uh, Mike Cisneros immediately ju uh, ju jumps to mind uh, when you when you ask uh, about that. And then of course, Eddie Marburger doing his thing. And uh, th th that's just what he does. You know what I mean? He's going to burn you for four touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns and 100 rushing yards and 400 passing yards. And it, it, it's just crazy, man. Putting put up video game numbers, uh, I feel like I'm using him in NCAA uh, <laughs> 14. That's the last time the game was uh, was made. So we hope the NCAA brings that game back so we can use Marburger next year. Uh, but, yeah, man, just, uh, just those, are, those are two guys that really jump out. And, uh, yes, also there's some teams, but I'll, I'll let you get to some players that you think have stood out to you uh, early on this season, Andrew. I've definitely got to agree with you there and say that I think the Mercedes Tigers offense has been the offensive unit that's impressed me the most so far this season. Uh, I got to watch them play Mackay and PSJ North, 5A and a 6A team, and two of the Valley's best defenses from last year, and uh, it really didn't face these guys at all. They were just able to move the ball downfield almost at will, it seemed like. Um, you know, you, you touched on Mike Cisneros, and I think you were right to bring him up because he's looked really sharp this year, but I'll stick on that Mercedes offense and say uh, sophomore running back Tyrell Trevino has really jumped out to me. Uh, I covered the Mercedes Tigers' first game of the season, and this guy had multiple rushing touchdowns, ran for over 100 yards against, in my opinion, one of the Valley's best rushing defenses in that uh, black shirt PSJ North defense. Um, so I was personally really impressed by that, and I'll actually stick around uh, in that matchup for the other player who stuck out to me most so far, and that's PSJ North freshman quarterback Sergio Aparicio. You know, North went into that first game not really knowing who their quarterback was going to be. Uh, Coach Kaufman put it to me nicely in a good way where he said, we have a bunch of football players, we just don't know what positions they play yet, which is a good problem to have, I think, to have a lot of athletes and guys who can make plays all over the field. Uh, but it certainly can be a bit of a blessing and a curse when it means you don't have a, uh, a regular quarterback week in and week out. So the Raiders swapped back and forth a little bit in that first game between him and junior Zach Gonzalez. Still see some time behind center and also working out of the backfield and as a slot receiver from time to time in this pretty athletic Raiders offense. But Aparicio is, I think, second in District 31-6A in rushing right now, trailing only the running back on his own team. 
who, who he hands the ball off to. So that's certainly nothing to be ashamed of. And also, uh, he's the only freshman quarterback in the Valley I know of this season who hasn't thrown an interception or turned the ball over yet. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on, too, as we move forward. Um, it's not very often you see kids that young with that level of uh, decision-making in the pocket. So certainly be interested to see how he can keep things moving for the Raiders going forward. But, Brian, we touched on players. Now what are some teams that have really uh, stood out to you the most so far? Well, I mean, uh, we've got to give love to Hidalgo, man, and, and for everything they're doing there at the 4A level. And uh, like you said, they got weapons. Uh, we, all, we all know about Zach Carrera and everything that he can do. But, man, uh, they got uh, just weapons offensively and defensively. That they're as stout as they come. And uh, just a, a really tough unit. And then uh, over in, in Ed Couch Elsa, man, uh, they, they got some new guys stepping up there in the backfield, and they're running it down people's throats uh, once again, 2-0 on the year. Uh, Justin Galavarado uh, leading that backfield, and uh, Ed Couch Elsa going uh, to be a tough out anytime you play them. So um, those, those are two teams that uh, immediately jump out to mind. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, going forward or some of the, uh, you know what I mean, as they say, contenders and pretenders. So um, we'll get to see uh, who, who some of these teams really are. I know it's just these uh, first games for some of these teams, and it's in a normal season, you'd still be getting scrimmages in. Well, this isn't a normal season. So um, obviously you got to take that into account. So I'm just excited to see uh, these teams moving forward and uh, how the RGP football scene shapes up. Absolutely. Uh, just kind of quickly wrapping up our conversation there on our, our midway uh, uh, superlatives so far. I think the two teams that have stuck out to me most that I've had an opportunity to see live um, have been the Mackay Bulldogs and the Mission Eagles for a couple of different reasons. I really think Mackay, they might be the best 0-2 team in the Valley right now. And that's not to slight other 0-2 teams, but I really thought going into the last drive of the game um, – in both of these past two games the Bulldogs have been in, I thought they had a chance to, uh, you know what I mean, tie things up against both the Mustangs and the Tigers, or at least, you know what I mean, make things interesting towards the end of things. Um, that defense was really, really good last year. They lost some big pieces. They're still stingy this year. Um, I don't know if they're playing with maybe the same edge they had last year, but still a good unit overall and a tough one to move the ball against. I mean, we – saw them hold Mercedes to under 30 points, which is something no one else has done so far this year. Uh, so kudos to those guys. And we were talking about Hunter Curl earlier, but I mean, I really just think in terms of progression from one season to the next, uh, in terms of returning starters at quarterback throughout the Valley, uh, I don't know if there's one player who's progressed more from last year to this year, um, just in terms of his overall play and decision-making ability. And then the second team that stuck out to me for pretty obvious reasons so far is the Mission Eagles. I mean, they've outscored the teams they're playing 81-7 to so far uh, in eight quarters. I mean, this is a team that has certainly been through a lot this offseason, um, football-related and otherwise. Um, but I thought they've really made the most of their opportunities so far. I really think they might be the most well-rounded team in the Valley just because it's kind of hard to beat a team that is not going to give you more than 100 yards and is also going to go score 30 points on you. I mean, that is, uh, that's a tough 
problem to overcome. Um, we'll see if anyone has what it takes to dethrone the Eagles the rest of the way. It should be interesting. Yeah, and you also got to give some love to a couple standouts uh, at, at the small school level, man. Uh, I know Raymondville hasn't played in a minute, but uh, Zarabian Armadadins, man, just uh, one of the Valley's best football players uh, that, that you will see had six touchdowns in his debut. So I know they got a game with Port Isabel coming up this week. Uh, so excited to see uh, Raymondville get back on the football field. And then uh, Lifer's quarterback, Caleb Klosterman, uh, because uh, you wonder how Lifer gets it done, and he's the reason, man. He, he uh, gets it done with, uh, with, with his legs, with his arm, and uh, just a, a really good leader there for Lyford. So uh, got to give some love to, the, to those guys, too. And, uh, yeah, excited to see them, uh, the, the, those smaller schools, the 4A to 2A level, as they uh, begin their playoff journey coming up. Absolutely. And that's the perfect segue. We, we look into this week ahead. Um, we'll certainly get to this a little later. You alluded to it right there, though. Port Isabel and Raymondville starting the playoffs a week earlier than some other teams with a play-in game against one another. But we will start breaking down this coming week's action with the Monitors game of the week. This is a game that Brian is going to be at on Thursday, and I'm excited to hear you tell me all about it, Brian, because this is one I've been looking forward to. Yeah, we got Westico East uh, making their debut as they host uh, the Brownsville Pace Vikings, um, two playoff teams uh, uh, from a season ago, uh, get to go at it. Uh, Brownsville Pace coming off a impressive 38-2 win, as you mentioned earlier. Westico East making their debut, and uh, but they got some weapons, man, uh, and, and uh, one uh, in particular uh, new weapon in quarterback uh, Avery Bowen, who will be run, uh, running that uh, Westico East run-heavy offense. And he, he's tough to tackle uh, in the open field, and it's often going to take more than one guy to bring him down. And I'm excited to see him. We've already got a glimpse of him in the scrimmage, but now we get to see some game action and uh, to see how he does against Brownsville Pace, who has a, a three-year starting quarterback in Bolsa Banda. And uh, he, it, it, when you look at Brownsville Pace's success and transformation over the last few years, he's a big part of the reason why. And uh, just a, a really good playmaker and, and dual-threat quarterback there uh, for Brownsville Pace. And uh, Westco East, uh, we get to see uh, two, two of uh, the best. Uh, we get to see a, a really good running back in Gio Guerra. And then defensively, we get to see a linebacker in Gianni Barrera, um, just uh, two really tough guys and, and a tough runner and a tough defender there uh, for West of East. So we're excited to see that one. That one is Thursday night at Bobby Lackey Stadium at 7 p.m. So uh, should be a good one between uh, West of East and Brownsville Pace. And I know that's uh, the Monitors game of the week because that game was already on schedule, but we had a last-minute schedule change. That gives us, uh, I, I, you could call that one uh, the Monitors game of the week 1A, and this could be 1B, as Ed Couch House and Mercedes, who were originally scheduled to play in a couple weeks, they uh, both ended up having uh, open weeks this week as, as it worked out. And so they said, hey, why not? Let's just play this week. So um, one of the Valley's best rivalries, the, the Tigers and the Yellow Jackets, uh, they, they go at it Friday night, man, uh, in Mercedes, and it's going to be a good one. I'm excited to see that one. Uh, just Mercedes 3-0 and Couch Elsa 2-0 both have done uh, really good things this year uh, on the field uh, I believe uh, Mercedes has won six straight over Ed Couch Elsa in, in this rivalry so another one of those rivalry streaks that's been uh, heavily in the Tigers' favor in recent years and I know Ed Couch Elsa would love uh, nothing more than to end that so um, a really good game coming up uh, this Friday night between two teams in District 16 5 d 2s uh, East Zone so um, those two teams are 
uh, going to battle for that one and two spot. And, uh, you know what I mean? Lucky us, we get to see it a, a couple weeks earlier. What are your thoughts on this one? You know, I, I think that's a really interesting matchup. I think stylistically it's interesting. You know these teams a little better than I do, but certainly it seems like Ed Couch is more of a run-it-down-your-throat type of offense, and Mercedes likes to spread you out, really confuse you with a lot of motion, things like that. Um, I think this one ought to be super interesting. It's two of the better defenses in 5A across the valley also. Uh, and like you said, I mean, I think the winner of this should be in the driver's seat in that 16-5A D2 East zone. Um, well, we got to mention a couple Wednesday games, too, that got moved way up because of COVID concerns. These are both in District 16-5A D1. Uh, one of them's a new game. And one of them is a season opener for a team making its debut this weekend. We'll start with that one as the Mackay Bulldogs will take on the La Jolla Palmview Lobos. Brian Palmview's team that protested to play in the offseason, and they are now finally getting their chance. They return one of the Valley's premier rushers. What do you expect to see from these guys on Wednesday? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, we get to see two really good playmakers go at it. Uh, Mackay's Hunter Curl. And then, of course, La Jolla Palmview running back, Carlos Pena, uh, first-team All-State running back uh, from a season ago, over 2,000 yards, over uh, 20 touchdowns, um, over a bajillion extra points because he's also their, the team's kicker. And uh, in that Palmview offense, he was off, they were often putting up points. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see Palmview make their debut. Um, I'm sure if you would have asked him uh, at the end of last season, hey, how do, you feel, how do you feel about some Wednesday night football, they would have said, huh? But once uh, all, all this stuff went down over the summer and we saw how uh, COVID-19 and, and their season was up in the air, you told them, hey, uh, you know what I mean? I know you thought you weren't going to get to play football, but here you go. Here's some Wednesday night football. Um, La Jolla probably would have gladly signed up for that. And here they are making their season debut against Mack High. This one will be in McAllen at McAllen Veterans Memorial Stadium, 7 p.m. Uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to see this one. And we also have a, another one, Andrew. Uh, McAllen Rowe will be traveling to Brownsville um, to take on uh, Brownsville veterans. So um, that should be interesting. The Warriors, um, after playing the first two weeks, they, they fell to 0-2, but uh, that was against good competition in Sherryland Pioneer and Sherryland High, and they scored over 20 points in both those games. This Brownsville veterans team has struggled to two score points, only seven touchdowns this past week. I mean, excuse me, seven touchdowns, seven points this past week. Um, 14 points in their season opener. And um, uh, Rowe, uh, Nicholas Meehan, and Gus Cruz have been getting the job done. Cruz has touched on catches in both games so far. And Nicholas Meehan over 200 rushing yards to lead that uh, Warriors uh, rushing attack. So, um, yeah, so Wednesday night football, man. Uh, we're, we're excited to see it. I will be at that Palm View Mac High game, so you can follow along on rgbsports.com on the game tracker, or you can follow and you can follow along on Twitter at by Brian Ramos. I'll be bringing you updates um, on that one. And then, uh, so, so to go chronologically, um, that's some Wednesday games. We don't often say that, but lucky us, some Wednesday night football. So moving on to Thursday, Andrew, um, the only games uh, going on uh, at, at, for those Edinburgh schools, uh, a bit of an inner city rivalry. Why don't you tell us what's going on there? Absolutely. Edinburgh North and Economides are going to match up in the only 316A district game of the week. That is because PSJ High, Mission High, and Edinburgh Vela all in program-wide quarantines due to COVID concerns. Edinburgh High had their game 
with Vela on Friday night canceled because the Sabercats can't resume practicing until Monday at the earliest. Uh, so that might be a team who sneaks in a last-second game here after we finish recording this episode of the podcast because that just seems to be how things are shaking out in 2020. Um, Economides in North, though, I'm, I'm honestly pretty excited for this one. Uh, Edinburgh North has really flexed one of 31 6A's top defenses through the opening couple weeks of the season. Uh, still waiting to see Economides step it up on that defensive side of the ball, but they've really proven to be, in my opinion, one of the best uh, big strike offenses in the Valley so far. Just need to work on a little bit of consistency there. It seems sometimes like that Jags offense can be a little bit boom or bust, you know, where it's either a 70-yard touchdown or a stalled drive. So like to see them get some consistency going this week offensively. It might not be the week to do it against a very stout Cougars defense, but we will see. Um, certainly would be a big win for Edinburgh North, would move him to 2-1 and one and would put them in the driver's seat to uh, be challenging Edinburgh Vela for that North Zone title in 31-6A. Um, the only other 31-6A team in action this week is PSJ North, and again, for the second week in a row, they pick up an opponent last minute. Uh, they were supposed to play PSJ High on Thursday night and what's one of my favorite Valley rivalry games. Uh, that one gets canceled because the Bears are unable to play. So the Raiders say, no worry, we will go on the road and we will play the McCown Memorial Mustangs. It's the second game for each of these teams to be picked up like this. McCown Memorial picked up a game against Harlingen in week one with about 24 hours of a heads up, which is a little bit wild. They certainly get a little bit more preparation time this time. Uh, I'm personally going to be excited for this one because it will pit two of, in my opinion, the brightest Valley football minds against one another uh, in a father and son duo where you have the high-octane Memorial rushing attack led by head coach Bill Littleton um, going up against his son, Will Littleton's black shirt defense there at PSJ North. I'm kind of excited to see how that one shakes out. I think it'll be a shootout in McGowan uh, and certainly a game that comes down to the final possession in my estimation. But we got lots of Friday action too, specifically at that 5A level. I know we got a big rivalry game coming up uh, in 16-5A D2. Brian, you want to lead us off with our 5A action there? Yeah, let, let's start there. Um, Sherryland Pioneer and Sherryland High, um, the Longhorns this week and this year's edition of the Snakeskin Classic um, should be a good one. Pioneer has had the upper hand the past couple of years, but um, Sherryland High um, looking to change that. So that's going to be a good one there at Richard Thompson Stadium. That's Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Um, Eddie Lee Marburger against Benji Valdivia from Sherryland High. Uh, that's a quarterback matchup. It's going to be fun to see them uh, play against each other. Uh, and then, uh, but to take it back to, to Thursday for a moment, we got some good ones. Um, and let's start with the 4A level. We got Gruya and Kingsville King uh, playing in Gruya at 7 p.m. on Thursday. And the winner of this game is in the playoffs at the, and, in, and will represent the number four seed in District 16, 4A Division One. So Kingsville King, the, the Bremas against the, the Gruya Gators, 7 p.m. in Gruya. That's going to be a good one. Uh, you know what I mean? Win, winner gets to play again and extend their season. So uh, that should be a good one. Uh, both teams uh, have yet to win a game this season, so that's going to change uh, for sure Thursday night. So excited to see that one. Uh, and hopefully, Gruya can come out with the win. And uh, and uh, some other Thursday action, we got Brunswick Porter looking to move to 3-0 and on the year, and uh, they'll do that as, as they face uh, Brunswick Lopez 
uh, in some District 16, 5A Division One action. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Porter can, can do so. And move to three zero. I'm sure that's got to be a, a really good start, and that's going to, you know what I mean, start some talk and, and start some hype around that area. So, um, just uh, uh, the, you know what I mean. The train keeps on moving along. That is Brownsville Porter. So uh, we'll see how they look here um, as they enter this game against Brownsville Lopez. And then uh, fr- Friday night, uh, Rio Grande City uh, District 14 5A D1. They'll travel. Uh, to take on San Antonio Southside. Um, that one should be interesting. Rio Grande City 0-3 on the year, but they've been in every single ball game. We'll see if they can pull off the upset this week as uh, they go on the road to take on uh, a San Antonio Southside team. Uh, that That is pretty tough. So, um, yeah, excited to see that one. Then um, I know we got some good 32-6 matchups, Andrew, going on all Friday, all four of them. Uh, why don't you uh, run us through those, what's going on there in 32-6-8? Absolutely. I'm excited to see this weekend in 32-6A action. We have three games, uh, Brownsville-Hanna, Brownsville-Rivera, not playing this week due to COVID concerns at Rivera, but that's all right because we got three great matchups anyways. The one I'm most excited for is a game that I will be at on Friday night at Bobby Lackey Stadium in Westlaco as the Westlaco High Panthers finally, after a lot of delays and a lot of uncertainty, are set to make their return to the Friday Night Lights. They will host the Harlingen South Hawks on Friday night. This one should be interesting. Harlingen South really needs a win in this one after splitting their first two games in that 32-6A East zone. They looked real good against Donna North offensively, running the ball, uh, finding the end zone I think five times on the ground. But this past week was kind of a different story for the Hawks as they were shut out by the Harlingen Cardinals in the Bird Bowl. Uh, over there at Bogus Stadium in Harlingen. It will certainly be looking to bounce back, although this might be a really tough defense to try and do it against. You know, last year the mantra for uh, Westco High was really leaning on that offense, powered by uh, all-area pick at quarterback Jacob Cavazos and Peyton Knob at running back. Both of those guys are gone. The Panthers feel like they have some adequate replacements, but personally I think they're going to lean a little more on their defense this year than their offense. It's a group that returns a lot of starters, and I think also uh, the Panthers might have the best one-two combo at linebacker, uh, at least in 32-6A. Specifically, I'm talking about Josh Burkett. I mean, watching those guys practice uh, early in the morning at the crack of dawn out there in Westlaco, I mean, they're, they're athletic enough to drop back into the secondary and play some legit pass coverage. Uh, and they're big enough and strong enough to drop down to the defensive end spot and really get after the quarterback, too. So they are really three-level defenders there. Certainly expect the Panthers to come out motivated to play. They're playing with a shortened schedule, although they will play all four of their regular season games at home in Westlaco this year. The other East Zone game in that 32-6A district this week will be the Harlingen High Cardinals taking on the Donna North Chiefs. We touched on how resilient this Donna North group has looked so far through the first two weeks of the season. They seem to have shown a lot of improvement from last year, but they'll have a tall task ahead of them going up against uh, Harlingen, who's the number three team in the Monitor's top ten poll right now with good reason. Um, They shut out Harlingen South this past week, and the week before that they almost shut out McGowan Memorial. So uh, points are hard to come by when you're playing the Cardinals. So best of luck certainly to Coach Cuevas and those guys. They might need it. Um, but maybe the most exciting 32-6A game of the weekend is going to be Los Fresnos and San Benito 
both of these teams lost some disappointing games to Brownsville Hannah the past two weeks. Um, but they're going to be looking to get over that quickly because these guys both need wins with the playoffs quickly approaching and a very deep east zone over there in 32-6A. I mean, Brownsville Hannah's kind of put themselves in the driver's seat for a playoff spot there. Um, so, you know, it's really going to be big to see who wins this game because you're looking at that district play-in weekend. Probably whoever comes in third place in that east zone is looking at traveling to either Harlingen or Westlaco for that play-in game. And, I mean, if that's something you can avoid, I think that's definitely something you would want to uh, certainly sidestep if possible. You could get another opponent or, you know, play in a district title game where you're guaranteed a playoff spot, win or lose. I think that would certainly be preferable for both of those teams. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because those are two pretty good defenses. Uh, Kyler Castilleja, I would expect to have a big game for San Benito on the ground. Uh, keep your eye out for him. I think he might be the biggest playmaker in that East zone. And then finally, just to uh, wrap things up at the 4A level, um, we we have a big game with Hidalgo. Do we already talk about Hidalgo? Oh, no, we're good. Uh, we have a big game coming up with the Hidalgo Pirates this weekend, too. They won in convincing fashion, as we talked about earlier, in the Monitors game of the week this past week against Lafaria. It was their first win against the Lions in eight years on the gridiron, and now they will travel to Zapata to take on the Zapata Hawks on Friday night. Kickoff of that one set for 7.30 in Zapata. Uh, if Zapata wins, we have a three-way tie uh, for that district title over there between Laferia, Hidalgo, and Zapata. Although with their win last week, the Pirates have already locked up the district's number one overall playoff seed, uh, but certainly a lot to play for in this one. Uh, Zapata, they've looked pretty good uh, so far this year. Uh, they, they dropped a close one to Laferia that was, I think, maybe tied at halftime. Uh, but they looked good in wins over Berea and Kingsville King, and they also topped, uh, I believe, Crystal City and Rio Grande City in some non-district action too. So certainly a dangerous team under Coach Jerry Lopez out there, uh, and they've adopted really well, I think, adapted really well, I should say, uh, to that air raid offense, which is serving them well. Certainly should be a clash of styles with Hidalgo's uh, run-it-down-your-throat offensive mentality. And then the other 4A game that we're really excited for this week uh, is kind of the only district game of the year for Raymondville and Port Isabel, but it's a big one. These two will meet on Friday night for what will be the number three playoff seed coming out of that uh, District 16-4A D2. Those two schools were thrown into a very weird situation this year when uh, five teams in their 18 district, which are in Corpus, elected not to play them this year due to travel, COVID, logistical concerns, etc. Uh, and then things were complicated even further for these guys when Rio Hondo announced they were not going to play football this year uh, due to participation number issues, uh, obviously with people concerned for their health and safety. Certainly a commendable reason to want to sit out. Uh, but that has made things difficult for the Bearcats and the Tarpons this year. They've each played one non-district game so far. Uh, we touched on it a minute ago, Port Isabel giving PSJ Southwest all they could handle this past week in their season opener. And Raymondville hasn't played in about a month. Uh, they went to a neutral site and beat Victoria West the first week of the season in Falfurius. Uh, Zaravion Armendarez certainly had a big one in that game. Six touchdowns over 350 yards of offense and was named the Built Ford Tough uh, Texas High School Football 
Player of the Week for Class 4A uh, for his efforts in that one. Brian, we have some more weird days with football this week, though, which I'm personally excited for. Saturdays are typically a college football day in the state of Texas. We'll have some high school football matchups this Saturday in particular. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, and uh, just uh, real quickly before we get there, Friday night we also got PSG Memorial, PSA Southwest, a rivalry game there between uh, the two newest schools there in that district and relatively new for Memorial uh, more recently for PSG Southwest. So, um, uh, Southwest one and one on the year. Christian Memorial only two. Going to be good to see uh, these, these two go at it uh, Friday night. And as you said, man, we get some Saturday football, um, and uh, we get to see Mission Veterans back in action. They'll be hosting the Roma Gladiators District 16 5A Division Two game uh, there at Tom Landry Stadium in Mission. That is a 2 p.m. kickoff. So um, Mission Veterans hasn't played since that uh, Week One uh, game against Edinburgh Bella. Now we'll see them back in action after a week off against Rodolma. So, so Saturday football, and we also got some Monday night football uh, coming to us uh, to round out this week's. And I say this week, even though it's Monday's game, There's uh, we're going to talk about Monday's games and break them down in this uh, this episode, and then uh, we'll give you the breakdown uh, next week's episode of how those Monday games went down. So two Monday Monday games going on. Uh, we got Donna High, La Jolla Palm View, McAllen High, McAllen Row. Um, they'll, they'll be playing uh, you know, on Monday night, so um, yeah, we get some uh, high school football five out of what five out of seven days this week. Um, so uh, yeah, just an exciting time. We get a plenty of football, no shortage of action going on. So excited to see how Palm View looks. That'll be Palm View's second game of district play, while Donna High jumps back into action uh, after sitting out a couple weeks, and uh, it'll be a rivalry game between McAllen High, McAllen Row, uh, Andrew. I know. Uh, you'll most likely be there for that one. So um, why don't you give us a little more about um, McKellen High and McKellen Row before we uh, round out this episode? For sure. Um, I mean, I think that in, uh, you know, on paper is a great matchup between two really high-powered offenses. Uh, you know, Rowe is replacing a quarterback this year, but I thought, and I mean, you saw him in their season opener, but I thought James Gomez has played really admirably so far. Certainly not new to the position. He's filled in with spot starts for the Warriors these past two years uh, before. And, I mean, he's surrounded by one of the greatest supporting cast of offensive weapons the Valley has to offer. Those Rail Warriors, in my opinion, have one of the deepest offensive lines also in the Valley. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, Gustavo Cruz, a really great tight end, and Nick Meehan is really leading the charge in that backfield. It'd be interesting to see – uh, you know, if they can get the full three-headed monster back in there uh, and healthy and also have uh, all-area wide receiver David Savage return to the fold. I know he was battling some injury issues too. Kind of unclear when or if the Warriors will ever be fully back at full strength, but that's kind of a mantra they embrace, man. It's the next man up mentality over there at Rowe, and, uh, you know, it's that mentality that got them to the area round of the 6A playoffs last year. And, I mean, we've seen through two weeks so far uh, against Cherryland Pioneer and Cherryland High, that's a team that's going to give you a full four quarters every time out, win or lose. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, even if you jump on row early, uh, that by no means means that uh, you've got that one in the bag because those guys will give you everything you can handle in the fourth quarter. Um, and on the flip side of this one, uh, you know, I think – 
Mackay has really shown some positive steps here in the first couple weeks of the season, particularly offensively. Uh, Felipe Magana and Quinlan Canada are, in my opinion, maybe the best one-two wide receiver combo in that district 16-5 AD1 for the time being. Um, I mean, they're really impressive, and I really think, uh, you know, the, the winner of this game should have an inside track in terms of getting to one of those uh, play-in games um, the first weekend of December. It's going to be tough to get in being uh, a 10-team district with four playoff spots to offer, but uh, I would think the winner of that rivalry game has the inside track of getting there. Brian, this will be a big one for Donna and Palmview, too. Palmview hasn't played yet, but Donna also looking for their first win of this season. What do you think is going to be the key to that matchup? Yeah, it's going to come down to who's running back is better. And it's uh, Donna's Adana Reyes. He rushed for over 200 yards, three total touchdowns in Donna's season opener. That was uh, a, a, a tight loss to Brownsville Porter, seven-point loss. And the Hoya Palmies, Carlos Pena, uh, we'll get to see him Wednesday night against Mackay. Then we'll get to see him next week against Donna. So two, over 2,000 yards last year. We'll see what he has in store for us coming up this week. But uh, I'm just excited for a bunch of football. We got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday games coming at you. And who knows what we got in store next week. Uh, we'll save that for later. But, uh, yeah, just really excited for everything we got going on, Andrew. Any, any last notes you want to add? Might have to take a big breather <laughs> after running around the Valley to all these football games this week. But I'm certainly excited. I'm definitely not complaining about five nights of Valley football a week. Uh, it should be a nice little treat and surprise while we've got it. Uh, certainly looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. And we are certainly wishing these teams uh, the best as far as health and safety goes. And we certainly wish uh, as many of these teams get to actually play these games this week as possible. As we know, this has been a very fluid situation throughout this year and nothing is really guaranteed until you're on the field. But I want to thank you guys for joining us again today. We know this was a jam-packed episode, but we hope we gave you everything you wanted and you were looking for. We're excited to do it again next week. Playoff football is on the horizon, Brian. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty fired up about that, and uh, I'm excited to see some of those uh, 3A, 4A, and 2A playoff matchups get set up after this weekend's action. Yeah, we got some uh, district title games going down this weekend, uh, playoff spots on the line, and then, of course, we got all the 5A and 6A teams working their way to get there. So excited to see how it all shakes out, and uh, we'll be coming at you next week, uh, breaking everything down and giving you another preview. So. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Brian Ramos, and, and uh, we'll be coming at you next time. Absolutely. For Brian, my name is Andrew McCullough. Thank you again for joining us, you guys, and stay safe and healthy out there. We know it's a crazy world, but, uh, you know, wash your hands, wear a mask, all that good stuff, social distance, etc. cetera. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at by Andy McCullough. You can follow Brian at by Brian Ramos, and you can follow all of our work at rgvsports.com and on Facebook and Twitter via the handle of the same name. That's rgvsports.com. Uh, certainly looking forward to bringing you all the games this week, every day of the week almost, uh, but certainly stay tuned in case we see some last-minute changes again because it seems like we just might.